0: Hey, thanks for joining us here on Podcasting and Platforms. I am sorry for the hiatus. I'm getting back to work. This is not a defunct podcast feed. I just had to get some things in order after my wedding and honeymoon in December and moving and all kinds of crazy stuff there at the end of last year. So... I apologize for that. But I want to bring you something that I recorded today, actually. I spoke to the Indiana Association of High School Broadcasters and gave them a presentation on podcasting and uh, just talked to them about how it can improve their future and how it connects with radio and new media and old media working together to basically extend different brands. Here is the intro from Genesis, who is the host of Just a Little Clueless podcast and also a college student at U of I. So thank you to her for the great introduction. Good morning. Um, welcome to the University of Indianapolis. We are glad that you are joining us today for the Indiana Association of School Broadcasters. Uh, we are especially excited to have Chris Spangle with us today. Chris is the director for the Bob and Tom Show. He began his career as a producer for The Abdul in the Morning and went to serve as the executive director of the Libertarian Party of Indiana. He also has uh he is a freelance podcast host for and producer for We Are Libertarians, Leaders and Legends with Robert Vane, and The Pat Down with Mrs. Pat. Um, Well, yeah, with Mrs. Pat, please welcome Chris Spangle. Hi, everybody. Thanks uh, for joining me. It's always one of the highlights of my year to come and get to talk to you guys. And the interesting thing about doing this over the last five years is how much awareness about podcasting has not only grown... In the country, but also amongst the students. The first year it was kind of like, well, my brother does a podcast. Now, how many of you have podcasts or want to start one? Right, so it's now a majority of the room, which is a good idea. Uh, I work in radio, so just a a little bit about my background. She mentioned some of it. I started in 2004 uh, with, if you come to this school, a professor that you'll probably have, Abdul-Hakim Shabazz. Uh, he runs Indie Politics, and we worked at WXNT, which was the lowest rated AM station in town. Uh, we were 50th in the ratings in the uh, 50th market. So, But it was a great place for me to start because I got to put my hand into everything. I got to do promotions, engineering. I got to run the board. I never should have been able to run the board for the morning show. That was an incredibly <laughs> stupid decision on the part of my program director. Uh, but I, I got to learn a lot as an intern, and then I got hired as a full-time producer for the morning show from 2007 and 2008, and I made $17,000, which, believe it or not, adjusted for inflation in 2008, was still poverty. So uh, Kashner will verify that radio uh, likes to starve out its young by not paying you uh, that much money. But... I got a pay raise to go work for the Libertarian Party of Indiana uh, for $22,000 and was a political organizer, a state executive director. And while there, I started a podcast called We Are Libertarians to reach out to college students who were interested in libertarianism. And that celebrated its 10th anniversary this past week. Uh, it is now a podcast network. Thank you. Um, we've had 5 million downloads, 30 different shows, over 75 co-hosts. We've had a magazine. We've had um, 14 different websites. And it's been a great experience for me to manage all of these people, to continue to produce content. Uh, and it has led me to... Um, doing podcast consulting. Uh, I, I have a podcast about podcasting called Podcasting of Platforms. And uh, this is a PDF that you can get at that website. Um, so a lot of this is fleshed out in that podcast, too, that I'm going to speak about today. And I've now transitioned into making some income on the side, not only for my own podcasts, uh, but also teaching people podcasting, helping corporations set up their podcast. When I first... Wanted to do this in 2013, working with a guy named Brad Shoemaker. Uh, it was basically, he, he went on to do it and somehow made money in an era when nobody knew what podcasting was. But now major corporations are looking at podcasting and new media as a form of advertising. So there's just some basic forms of content on the internet, right? There's images, you know, and memes and Instagram. There's video. There's text, written word, like blogging. Uh, these are somewhat expensive and, and uh, have video especially to look, to, to catch up. There's two tiers, right? Do it on your phone or spend $8 million for a studio. And audio was always kind of the last to be added to these platforms. And in the last two years, major corporations like Facebook, Spotify, Westwood One, uh, iHeartMedia, they've all seen the revenue that can be made from podcasting. And even smaller networks like mine now can sell advertising and get what's called, um, you know, basically got Google ads for your podcast and make some revenue. Anchor is one place that you can kind of do that. And so there's never been more availability to kind of build an income stream off of what we're going to talk about today. And I think it's important for each and every one of you to consider starting your own podcast like I did, because... uh, starting my own podcast as a hobby because I missed radio, I missed broadcasting led me to Bob and Tom which is celebrating its 40th anniversary next year. It's a radio hall of fame legendary show uh and I'm the digital director. And so I was hired basically 9 years ago to bring them into uh the digital era. They had several products, but they didn't have really much of a social presence. They didn't have um, many um, assets at that point. Well, fast forward now, we have a nightly TV show watched by tens of thousands of people on YouTube and Facebook. We have a podcast heard by millions of people. We've got uh, significant reach on our social media. And it shows you the brand extension of a legendary radio show into markets because not only does that generate its own revenue for the radio show, it also is um, helping with ratings in the 18 to 34 category. So it's helping radio stations make the decision to carry the radio show because the, the ratings are solid and there's there's a digital presence. And it's a must have for radio stations, television stations, and legacy media outlets to have a digital department. And you all are very fortunate because I'm old now. I'm 38. But when I was in your position, I was one of the few digital natives around in the radio industry and got snapped up because I understood how to post on LinkedIn. <laughs> and a lot of the people that I worked with didn't know how to operate a website or post a Facebook page. So these hard skills that we're going to talk about today that I developed through my podcast have led to a great income, a great life, uh, and doing things that I dreamed about when I was sitting at your seat. Uh, just because I started a hobby 10 years ago. Uh, I started podcasting really in 2007. I went to the management at the radio station and said, Hey, this podcasting thing is really starting to take off. Let's put our, let's like put our content on a podcast. And they said, Well, that's stupid. Why would we ever want to compete with ourselves? Uh, and eventually after that guy left, we started a podcast and, um, for Abdul in the morning and really was, Beneficial in helping people, it helped reinforce what we were doing on that low rated AM station because they couldn't get the signal, but they could get the podcast. They could listen to it on the website. Uh, Now, the things that I see at Bob and Tom that are mentioned as like legendary moments from the show are things that are on our YouTube channel because digital reinforces what happens on the air, it reinforces what people see, and that repetition from reposting things really helps build brand recognition. Um, so, you know, this this guy, you know, I, I put together just from my experience of, and I should also mention the pat-down, which is was number eight in the, the comedy charts. And, you know, when Miss Pat asked me to come and co-host her podcast, I was able to do it without a lot of verbal tics. Her manager said she just found some random, guy in Indiana to do her podcast and co-host her with it and he was and then he listened and he said you didn't say um you didn't say like you know and this is a hoosier thing you all say fur instead of for you know so that was like beat out of me as a young broadcaster and that's because I got verbal reps I've had tens of thousands of hours at this point probably of just talking as you can tell I like to talk uh so I was able when an opportunity presented itself, I had been practicing you know for for my smaller audience, and so that 's another benefit for you to get into podcasting to learn some of these skills and when I say podcasting i don 't just mean talking into a microphone now. it now is a multimedia extension. Some of these brands that come to me that are you know local influencers or insurance companies or or, or whatever like they recognize now that Posting a blog isn't read by many people, right? Hiring a video firm to pay $10,000 to do a two-minute video that a corporation, well, okay, right? But how many of you watch those two-minute brand videos for, let's say, an insurance company, right? Not that many people. It's not that engaging. But with podcasting, you can do storytelling in a very low-cost, effective way, uh, not only for corporate brands, but also for yourselves. Uh, What We Are Libertarians has done, I'm a libertarian. I think that the government, I think that most people have good intentions. This is where I'm different than a lot of libertarians. I don't think there's like globalists running around like pulling the strings. I think that people have good intentions and they build systems that generally have unintended consequences that hurt people. So what I've tried to do is tell the stories of people who have been you know, hurt by the system. You know, single moms trying to fight for their kids against abusive exes. To get people to think differently, storytelling is top of the podcast charts. Why? Because we love a good story. Our brains are hardwired for story. And so if you listen to podcasts, which raise your hand if you listen to a podcast regularly. right? So all of you, right? Most of you. They're probably storytelling podcasts. They're true crime. They're freakonomics type podcasts. They're, they're slickly produced, but you can also tell a story just by having a conversation. You know, you can sit down with someone for 20 minutes and have thought out and prepared what you want to ask that person in order to get them to tell their story. And you can do that in front of a camera with some audio equipment. And then using something like StreamYard or even just recording the video version of Zoom and then editing it with some nice subtitles, you have a video that tells a story for what you paid for for the equipment, right? So the, the tools, when I started, you know, when I started, my podcast rack was this tall and cost like $25,000 in, in 2010. Well now that's $600 on a board like this, right? And you can use a video camera and some cheap lighting to, you know, a Logitech camera for 200 bucks and some nice lighting for 200 bucks and have a good-looking video set. So the bars of entry are so easy now compared to where they were in the past. But what are the elements of a good podcast? What are the elements that you need to succeed in kind of starting and getting the ball rolling with some of this stuff. Um, so there's four, uh, four, five, I should have read my own stuff before I started this this whole uh, phony baloney speech. Um, there's four, five stages to a good podcast that you're going to kind of go through. And I just want to talk about a, a few of these, not too in depth, but Uh, Like I said, you're more than welcome to email me after or check out the Podcasting and Platforms podcast where I kind of tease out a lot of this stuff. But the most important thing in broadcasting is relevancy to your audience. Tom Griswold is in the Radio Hall of Fame because he is obsessed with giving his audience value. That when you tune in to that radio show, you're going to get something out of it. Because audiences are incredibly selfish, and they've never been more selfish. I can tell you in the last year, the, the ground has changed under all of digital creators, regular creators, um, because you have so many more choices, right? The average person has 10 podcasts on their podcast feed. Well, what makes you special that I'm going to give you an hour of my time? What are you going to give me? Because I could go listen to the office ladies and get something else, right? Now, we often think of value, especially when we're younger, of what world-changing piece of information can I present? That's sort of how I always used to think. I was an ideologue who wanted to change the world, and every show had to, like, you know, now I sort of realize, like, I just want some escape. So the value from Bob and Tom is a laugh and just something to kind of have on in the background as you enjoy your day, and you're not thinking about... COVID and World War III starting, and like right, it's a little bit of a distraction. That's the value that they offer. It's the value the office ladies offer. You know, I love the office, so I like listening to them talk about it, but I don't really have to pay attention that much. But then there's shows like, um, you know, uh, History Hit, which is a podcast about history, obviously. And the value I get from that is I understand current events through the historical lens. That's the value that I try to bring to my audience. You wanna know why Putin invaded Ukraine, right? why did this guy do that? Well, I'm gonna go and research and find out and then talk about it and you give me an hour, you're gonna understand the news. Like what? There's just a lot of confusion about what's happening in the news and the Chris Spangle show exists to help you alleviate that anxiety and understand. So when you're talking with your friends, you sound smarter, right? So the value proposition is, you're gonna sound smarter if you give me an hour. Because really what you want is to sound smart when you're talking with your friends. You're not going to master the subject, but you don't want to sound like an uninformed person. You want to kind of have... it's So the concept is playing off the listener's vanity a little bit. But it's also offering value in helping you really understand what's happening. And I do it from a perspective that is not Team Red and not Team Blue. I'm not trying to uh, propagandize you into supporting my team, uh, which is honestly a stupid way to do political talk. <laughs> really, it's much better if you try to say, here's why my side is right, and here's why they're wrong, and now give me some money. Uh, it's it's much easier that way, but I have never liked to do anything the easy way. Um, so the value that you have to give to your audience is, is something you have to think about first. And it has to come from a place of passion. You have to... The, I've done my podcast for 10 years, and there isn't a month that hasn't gone by where I've thought, I really just should quit doing this. This is a lot of work. Or nobody's listening to this. You know, all those little moments of self-doubt that you start to hear, like, uh oh, look at these other people who are way more successful in my vertical and in what I'm doing. So you start you will always have those moments of self-doubt. You will always have moments where your interests are on something else, but you still have to continue to to give your audience that value, especially if you're paid through something like Patreon or advertising. Um, and so those moments where you're trying to work through, you really want to be interested in that subject. Like, I will, I have spent my whole life and will always be interested in history. And so I use history to talk about current events. I do a history podcast. I'm always reading a history book, so why wouldn't I, like, make that the extension of what I'm doing on the air? Um, you know, so... What will the audience get out of their time investment? And then who are you and why should they listen to you? This is the most terrifying question for anybody starting a podcast, and it's one that will never go away, right? Uh, when I started We Are Libertarians, I looked at my co host and I said, why would anybody listen to me as a political expert? And they looked at me and said, you're the executive director of the Libertarian Party of Indiana. You're probably no more like than the average listener does. And you will be amazed as you talk to your audience, like, the thing that you're obsessed about, that you geek out about, that your friends want you to shut up about because you won't stop talking about, like, you are kind of an expert in it. You do understand that subject better than most people. And, uh, so you just kind of have to lean into that and, and feel confident about what you're talking about because there's something that every single one of you knows and understands is interested in talking about that you're an expert in compared to a lot of your listeners. So have the confidence to just talk about what you, what you enjoy uh, and don't give into those self doubts because self doubt, I think, in a lot of ways, uh, I could be so much further ahead if I hadn't talked myself out of taking chances and doing certain things at this point in my career. Um, now, and what's your call to action? What do you want people to do, right? Like if you're a political talk show host well, now we've agitated you and told you what the problem is, and I agree with you. What do you want me to do about it, right? So what my call to action for my audience is always community engagement. Get involved in your community. You know, you, you have very little, um, a lot of people tell you, join my political party, we'll change it all. How many of us feel that that's actually a reasonable, rational thing that's going to happen, right? But if you get involved in your community and you are obsessed with alleviating the suffering of other people, then... You're going to, not only will it make a difference for other people in a direct way that you will see, it will also start to influence other people in your community, and they will see, and, and you'll get some benefit out of it, too. So my call to action is always, you know, get involved in your community, that thing that you're passionate about, that you think is a problem for our society, like get involved in nonprofits, start a business, do something that will help solve that problem in a direct way instead of just, like, joining a political party, right? Um And then you simplify all this into a description. Your description is really important because that's what your, your title of your show has to be around all of these things. You know, what is the point of the podcast? Who are you? Why do I care? And what do you want me to do about it? And so it all has to be distilled down into like four sentences. I updated my description this week. I update it probably every year and have for 10 years because you will continually grow as a broadcaster. You will continually learn new things and now I see the problem differently. I, I see the solution in this different way. Um, and then you also have to determine your metric of success. If your metric of success for your podcast is downloads, you will be done by episode 10 and you will quit. And I see it happen all the time. There's 4 million podcasts and over 60% of them are no longer active and they stopped at 10 podcasts because they put in hard work for four months and realize they're not famous and rich yet right? So you're, you're, it's a long slug. It takes about three years for a podcast really to gel into its final form uh, and into something that isn't costing the host money and is getting some recognition in social circles. So what's your metrics of success? Is it downloads? Is it building a personal network or a brand? I've got clients of mine that They don't really care about the downloads. It's the right 200 people listening because those 200 people listening are influential in their circles. You know, if you're, if you're doing an Indiana construction podcast, you've recognized that you're not going to get Joe Rogan numbers, right? You're not going to be as broad. But to the listeners in your space, you're now someone who is a thought leader in that community and you can then leverage that into speaking gigs and business. Because what i found with podcasts is that if you call up the mayor of Indianapolis and say, would you like to get lunch today? Can we hang out? They're going to say no. But if you have a podcast and you can get an interview with the mayor, you're going to spend an hour with that person. They're going to have a relationship with you in a different way. If you're, again, in Indiana construction trades, you're probably not going to get time with the person who is at the top of the... Influence pyramid in the Indiana construction trades, but you will get an hour of their time because people love to talk about themselves. They love to come on and talk, especially the more successful somebody is in an industry, the more they love to talk about themselves and promote their work. So, once you've kind of figured out what you want to do and answered some of these questions, you got to build the platform. What does it look like? How does it sound? How do you want to craft the content? Is it going to be a storytelling podcast like The Daily? Is it going to be an interview podcast? Are you going to be doing monologues? Are you going to be doing a chat show with three friends? I I modeled my show after Bob and Tom and the Michael Mira show and um, Dave the King Wilson for uh, all the other ancient people in the room who remember that who that was. A group of friends sitting around chatting about current events because I want you to feel like you're sitting at the kitchen table with us and. We'll, we'll, we'll sometimes have interviews, sometimes we'll do a monologue, but in general, I want you to feel a part of the conversation. And so I have a, re- a recurring cast of regular people. Um, are you a video or an audio podcast? Like I mentioned earlier, video is becoming more and more important. YouTube is about to lean into podcasting big because they have several advantages. You'll hear this whenever you watch anything about YouTube. There's the second largest search engine. I learned everything I do now from watching YouTube videos. Uh, you're all fortunate that you probably are in broadcast classes. Plainfield High School did not have broadcasting. IUPUI did not have broadcasting at the time. I had to learn everything from asking Google and asking YouTube. That still exists. And so when you get stuck in kind of all of this technical stuff, YouTube's a great resource. Um, but if you, if you watch podcasts a lot of you will probably think yeah i watched that podcast on youtube you know it's bec- it was always a significant platform for podcasts so we always put our stuff there uh, it's becoming harder with some of the content c- controls like you talk about current events and they they basically index and catalog everything you say now and transcribe it and ding you for community standards so if you're talking about like edgier issues it, maybe stay off of YouTube. Uh, (laughs) But in general, most of you will probably not and will be fine. Um, But I would recommend thinking about doing video because it just doubles your audience. If you have 100 downloads on your podcast feed in Anchor and 100 on YouTube, you have 200 listeners. You don't have 100 listeners. And audiences want to consume content in any way, shape, or form. They want content where they want it, right? Like, Joe Rogan can get away with being on Spotify, but guess who doesn't listen to Joe Rogan anymore because my podcasts are on downcast, right? So exclusivity makes it difficult for people to hear your content. But if you're streaming to Periscope and YouTube and Facebook and the Facebook group and your personal page and your podcast feed, that's six different platforms and six times the amount of people that you can reach than if you were just on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not on Apple Podcasts and you're not on Spotify, you don't have a podcast, You're doing, I don't know what, an audio segment for your website, right? So you've got to be on every podcast directory. You've got to be where people want to be. Um, What equipment needs to be purchased to achieve a high level of quality? The max you will ever spend for audio podcasting is $1,500. You can sound like The Daily and Joe Rogan for $1,500. Audio is excellent because it's cheap. You can use the voice. I'm recording this. I will put this in my podcast feed for the podcasting and platforms today. I'm recording it on my phone. So you can record a great audio podcast pretty easily. Now, video, you can use a $100 Logitech camera and probably make it look okay. You can use your phone. Barstool Sports was built on the back of Dave Portnoy looking at his front-facing camera. And it's a $500 million brand now. Or you can spend $8 million to remodel your studio so it looks like Meet the press, right um, boy that's a relevant uh, <laughs> make it look like you know uh, i don't know I don't know what you kids watch um, so lighting's the most important thing, so you can spend twenty five hundred dollars on a DSLR camera, but if you didn't spend one hundred and fifty dollars on a light kit it's going to look like it's going to look terrible. Um, Lighting's the most important thing, and most of you will be tempted to buy a ring light first. If you have a ring light, it's okay. Figure out how to use it. You're gonna wanna add two or three other lights to kind of fill it out. Ring lights are built to be flat and give you that influencer look. I recommend a, a newer, an LED lighting panel, two of them, put them up. I have a bank of three lights in front of me that kind of come down on me, and it makes, and then I have a DSLR camera with a teleprompter and a nice background, right? I've spent thousands of dollars trying to get that look, but I started with a Logitech web camera, and then I evolved into a Mevo camera, and then I evolved into a Mevo camera with lighting, and I evolved into a DSLR camera, and it's still not done. I still, video, it's ever creeping, right? So, uh, but the important thing is you start. So if it doesn't look like a perfect video, like the things that you see on YouTube, like your mom's house is building a multi-million dollar studio in Texas. Well, that's not available to anyone in this room, right? Uh, maybe it is at your high school and your, your college, uh, but it's, it's uh, difficult. Uh, what, does anybody know what time I have, Phil? Uh, so 1030, uh, 10.30, all right, I better hurry this up then. Uh, and your artwork and branding are really important. But with Canva, man, I, I used to pay thousands for logos. <laughs> uh, and I use Canva now because it, it gives you a really good look. Stage three is building the distribution channels. Where are you going to connect with your audience? Have a website? Are you going to do it on social media? For most of you, because of your age, TikTok and Instagram are really important. Uh, we were talking about Genesis's podcast earlier and, um, you know, she has a, a great concept where, what's the name of the podcast again? Just a little, just a little clueless. So pull out your phones and add that. Um, just a little clueless where she answers the questions that she's interested in. And right now she's talking about dating. Well will put up on Instagram stories. One of the question things, Hey, what would you like me to answer? You know, and then take the the little sticker of the answers and then have people vote on it. Right? Make it interactive to get people engaged in what you're doing. Um, you know, we use TikTok at Bob and Tom to, to know the show, right? Like, which is basically us running around asking weird questions like, what's a weird fact about your grandparents? And you ask eight people and you get really weird, funny answers. Right? So we're not posting clips of the Bob and Tom show. We're, We're using the people that we know are are incredibly funny to kind of use that channel to, to build an extension to reach a different audience. Um, you know, I kind of mentioned it, but like where you're going to put your podcast is important, but every platform you add has to be regularly updated. The ironclad rule of digital media is relevance to your audience and providing value. The second is consistency. You must be consistent. If you make a promise to your audience that you're going to be there every 8 p.m. on Wednesday night, I still remember that Roseanne was on ABC on Channel 6 every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. That hasn't been on for 30 years. But that consistency, that promise of being there, and that content being there is really important. This is the thing I violate the most, and it's the thing that hurts me the most as a podcaster, is because I don't have appointment television. But Bob and Tom? Every night, every weeknight at 8 p.m., you're going to get 20 minutes of that morning show and you can watch the show. And that's becoming an essential part of people's habits. Every 3 p.m., every day, 3 p.m., there's a Bob and Tom podcast. Every day from 6 to 10, there's a radio show, right? So it, and the other thing is like, if you make that appointment of I'm going to do a live show every Saturday morning at 10 a.m., it keeps you from not being consistent, right? You've got to set up some guardrails to uh, letting yourself kind of slide. Um, The fourth is building community, and this is really important because as you start to grow and as you start to get people engaging in your content, they're going to want to talk to you, right? And it will be totally foreign to you when the first person walks up to you and they know everything about you because they've listened to you for three years and you have no idea who this person is. They know your kids' names. They know your, your, your partner's name. Uh, but that's because you've built a relationship with them because of stage one. You're answering their needs. You're providing value to them. They feel like you're a close friend because you have that consistent contact with them. And they want to engage with you. They want to talk to you. Uh, and so how are you going to do that? Are you going to do it? Uh, Facebook groups are great. I hate Facebook, but Facebook groups have built like the pat down Miss um, Pat was uh, born and raised in Atlanta. She's a comedian. She's probably the funniest comedian on the planet. She's got a show on BET called The Miss Pat Show. She's got a Netflix special uh, out now. I'm at the beginning. Please go watch uh, for my three and a half seconds of fame uh, that I don't deserve. But she um, she grew up as a crack dealer in Atlanta and moved to Plainfield, Indiana, where I grew up, and. Having never grown up around white people, it was a culture shock at 30. She thought corn was grass. She wanted to know why the grass was like totally different worlds. And meanwhile, from the town that was 98% white, 2% Muslim, I never really had any kind of cultural contact with someone like Miss Pat. And so the podcast is 90% comedy, 10% racial reconciliation as we try to figure out like in a safe way, like what's this about? Why... Why does this happen? How do you do that, right? Um, And we have a Facebook group that has 17,000 people and we call them the Crack Babies and uh, because she adopted four kids that she calls her Crack Babies. Well, we've extended that into our fans. Well, when the Miss Pat show airs on BET Plus, within two weeks, she gets greenlighted a second season because we've whipped so many of them up into a frenzy that they are then watching BET Plus, that they're giving Netflix a record number of viewers. Those like those listeners were watching the Netflix special, like some of them watched it ten times on repeat just to get her numbers, right And so community becomes really important in in building your audience. We did that with just a Facebook group, not a website because nobody's gonna maintain that website, but a Facebook group everybody's kind of on it. For we are libertarians, m- my Facebook group was the genesis of my Patreon. It was the genesis of how I funded everything. It was the contact that I had with my community. And when it got killed by Facebook for too many community standard violations, because I posted a meme of Jeffrey Dahmer, Google him later, eating at Five Guys saying it didn't taste like Five Guys. Totally (laughs) tasteless, but in that private group of people, it was funny. And they killed our Facebook group. Our brand has not been the same since because we lost that sense of community that we had together and trying to speed things up in a different way have not been um, significant. Uh, Now, stage five, the one that everybody wants to know about first is monetization. If you've done the first four stages right and you've given your audience value and you know how to talk to them through a community and you're serving them in a way, in the place that they like to hear, they're going to give you money. They're going to say, thank you for the value. Here's some value back. So people start with, how can I make a business out of this? That's the wrong way to think about it. Because your audience isn't a commodity. They're individuals that love the work that you do. And, you know, if you're, if it's just like if you're dating, treating the other person as a commodity or as somebody that's like gonna, I don't know. Uh, maybe that's a bad uh, suggestion. But, you know, I think it's clear, like, it's going to cost you the more you do. Like, it cost me around $1,000 a month to run the We Are Libertarians podcast network. But I get that value back because of my patrons, because they see the value in the work that we do across those 14 shows. Um, and it's going to come in a long time. It was five years before I monetized. But when I monetized through Patreon, I had $1,000 a week in seven days, because I had built so much value up over those five years. Uh, and audiences now compared to 2017 are way more likely to give you $5 a month through Patreon because they, it, it's now cultural, right? We now don't mind giving to a subscription service. When I started Bob and Tom, we were one of the few subscription services that had ever existed, like for digital content. That was 2013. Now we're one of many of your, you know, I mean, I bet if I don't pay a cables bill worth of $10 a month subscriptions at this point, I'd be surprised. So, then you also have to ask yourself, finally, do you have time to do it all well? You know, if you have time to do one audio podcast well, do that. Just start. Worry about video later. Worry about the network later. But the most important thing is do one thing really well. Like I've, like I said, 14 websites, a magazine, uh, 30 different shows. Did we do all of those well because we were trying to do all that at once? No. But now I've simplified it down to let's do an audio podcast really well. When we can do video, great. When we can do social media posts, great. But I've got time to do this one thing really well. And what goes on the air is the most important thing. So with that, I now want to open it up to questions for five minutes, right? Is that reasonable? I don't know how far away your next thing is. All right. Sorry I talked so long, I meant to give you 15 minutes, but as my wife will tell you, this is a reoccurring problem. So like I said, you're more than welcome to email me, chris at chrisspangle.com, if you've got questions, uh, or go to podcasting of platforms, you can get the, the PDF and you can listen to the podcast, where I tease a lot of this stuff out more, uh, and now and into the future. So, yes, sir? You talk about... Beginners think they can just sit down and start a podcast without really much planning. Can you talk about a ratio of how many, how much planning goes into a podcast versus like for every one minute of your podcast how much planning? Yeah. Um, the more you put into content, so the question is, how much should you put into planning and preparation? I mean, when I sit down to do a podcast for Chris Spangle show about Ukraine, I've watched documentaries, read books, read papers. I've got a... 13-page outline and cited all my sources, you know, and it makes the content way better. The more effort you put into pre-producing a podcast, the better the production and the post-production is going to be, the better the content will be. Uh, But you do get to a point in your skills where Ms. Pat, Dion, Curry, and I sit down to do the podcast. We don't even talk about what we're going to talk about. We just have... You know they have a combined 40 years of comedy experience. I've got 20 years in radio and broadcasting. Like we don't need to really produce it, and it's the fun, weird conversation, right? Um, so, but early on, you do kind of have to have some preparation. I would say that I, I have, I probably overproduced. I was talking to Genesis about this. the The preparation becomes a, a procrastination, and that I won't get an episode out because I don't feel that I'm ready to talk about it yet. And it becomes a way for me to kind of say, you know, so uh, Seth Godin gave a great talk on this. Just ship it. Just put it out there. Like especially early on, don't think through about perfection especially early. you gotta, you got to ship the content every 10 a.m. Saturday mornings. There's got to be a Chris Spangle show whether I'm ready or not. But the more time you put into researching and production and all that stuff, the better. Um, I would say that I probably I put hours into a Chris Spengel show because I feel the weight of responsibility for th- shaping how people think about current events. Um, but I'm, I overdo it probably. Yes. One thing that I found that is really difficult for me, at least, is the pacing between production elements and just like constant talking. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. How do you, How did you find that balance? Like, how did you mess with? So having the like the intro and the music and the transitions and things like that. The shorter the better. I mean because like with TikTok for instance, your first 3 seconds are how a test audience that sees your content in the first 10 minutes. That's how the algorithm judges whether or not you're going to people are going to see that content. So if you have a TikTok and you oh, why does this have 18 views and this one has 2000 views? It's because in the first Three seconds, you have some engaging, quick content that people in that test group that saw it for the first 10 minutes after you posted it went, wow, great. The first 10 minutes after you post on Facebook, how many likes and comments do you get? This is how the algorithm determines how many people are going to send it to. And that concept kind of extends to radio and to podcasting. How quick are you going to get into it? How quick are you going to get to the value? Um, In the early days of the Chris Spangle show, we'd have 20 minutes of chit-chat, And the feedback was, the title was a promise to me that you were going to explain why Putin invaded Russia. But then the first 20 minutes was you chit-chatting about your life. I don't care. I am downloading because of the promise that you made me in the title. And so now I speed that up to less than five minutes. And I give a tease at the beginning. Hey, today we're talking about Putin. Here's what we're gonna talk about. Stay tuned after these messages. Pre-roll ads, introduction, You know, second part of the introduction, a little bit of chit-chat, five to seven minutes, we're into the content. Your title is the singular most important thing in how people will determine whether or not they're going to download that podcast. And you better get to that promise pretty quick. Um, So, yeah, I would say that 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 pacing is important now. It didn't used to be as much. Probably have time for one more. Anybody? Yes. Yeah, I mean, 20 minutes is the average car ride. That's why a lot of podcasts are 20 minutes. Uh, Your average conversation peters out about 50 to 60 minutes, maybe 70 if it's really engaging. Those are kind of the benchmarks that I would hit. At around 20 minutes, I would probably put like a commercial break so people can pause. Uh, you know, the Joe Rogan effect of three hours with interesting people, I'm just going to be straight with you. You're not as interesting as Joe Rogan, and the person you're talking to is not as interesting as the, the, the caliber of guests that he can get. I used to do three-hour podcasts. It was obscene. Um, but you've got to learn what your audience likes. If, you're, if you can hold the listener's attention for three hours, then do it. Um, but it's not like broadcasting where every eight minutes you've got a stop set. You've got a, you know, every three minutes you need to refresh your guest. Like it's podcast listeners don't like when I post my interviews with WIBC on my podcast feed. So like, that's so repetitive. I get it. You know, so your title and description can add a lot of context that you don't need to repeat in the way that you do in radio. Okay. Um, anybody else? All right, thank you so much. Appreciate your time, and hopefully you got something out of it.